You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website at TicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. I woke up early for that. <laughs> and with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's dispiriting, disheartening, disgusting. 27-22 loss to the New York Giants on Sunday morning at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, England. Crappy birthday to me, crappy birthday to me, crappy birthday to me, crappy birthday to me. Yeah, as I record this, I am now officially 41 years old as it is just past midnight. Hell of an early birthday gift from the Packers to me on Sunday with this turd of a performance, wouldn't you say? Like I said, happy birthday is more like crappy birthday to me, am I right? Wait, a lot of like poop, fart humor, only a minute and a half in? <laughs> New ground for me on the show, I would say. Uh, no, it's not. Um, you know, it's funny, I really was thinking as this game was getting, you know, it was into the fourth quarter... I was thinking to myself, man, this is really reminiscent of the Bengals game last year that was played on my actual birthday, right? So it was actually October 10th last year. It's October 9th this year. But I was thinking, man, there's a lot of similarities here. It's a wild game, a lot of unexpected twists and turns, you know, but I was still hopeful. You know, I really thought on that final offensive possession for Green Bay, the, the final full one, the one that ended in the uh, turnover on downs, I mean... I thought this is going to end up going like the game last year did, you know? I'm like, the Packers are going to tie this baby up late, we'll take it to overtime, and we'll get out of London with the win, just like they did last year in Cincinnati. Swing and a miss. Did not get that. Nope. What I got, what we all got, was the Packers losing as the biggest favorites, according to the point spread, heading into a game this year, for the entire league. That's right. They closed as nine-point favorites and lost. And according to ESPN's Rob Domofsky, that was the worst loss for the Packers, the biggest loss as far as, like, pregame favorites. You got to go back to their loss to Arizona in 2018, a game you may remember as Mike McCarthy's final game in Lambeau, I believe, I don't have the tweet in front of me, I believe they were 13.5-point favorites heading into that game. So, biggest loss for the point spread since then. Good stuff. Good stuff. And with the loss, the Packers dipped to 3-2 and two on the season. I gotta say, if you had told me before the season started that they'd lose this game and they'd be 3-2 and two and it wasn't due to a rash of injuries, well, I would have said you're crazy. But... That's where we be. And where the Packers are now is in second place in the NFC North, a game plus the tiebreaker behind the first-place Minnesota Vikings, who eked out a 29-22 win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday in Minneapolis. That was a wild game. I don't know if any of you had a chance to watch that. Probably, I would guess a lot of you did, right? Vikings were up, what, 21-3? to Then they start to gag, and the Bears come back, take the lead late at 22-21, Vikings go down the field, get a late touchdown, get the two-point conversion, and come out of it with the win. I tell you, I hate saying this, but the Vikings sure look like they're going to be the they-somehow-win-every-close-game-they-play team this year, as Sunday was really the third such win in a row for them, right? They narrowly beat Detroit, then New Orleans and London, now this. Good times. Love it. The Bears are now 2-3 and three as a result of the loss. And the Detroit Lions are completely falling apart already after losing on the road to the New England Patriots, 
29 to nothing. Detroit is now 1-4 and four on the season, and if you're looking for Hope Lions fans, I would direct you to the Detroit Red Wings. I want to say quick, this was a running bit on the show, the running bit on the show last year, and I think I'm going to bring it back this year, because there's actual hope for the Red Wings this year, right? Steve Iserman, I'm a big Red Wings fan. Iserman opened up the checkbook, brought in a lot of talent. I like the trade they made for the goaltender from St. Louis, whose name escapes me. They're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're definitely going to push for a playoff spot. So Lions fans, if you're somehow listening to this, just focus on the Red Wings. That's where we are now. Their season starts Friday. The real Detroit sports season starts Friday, right? Fun. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, before we get into the fun, and God, I hope you're having fun already, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts. OL bag of donuts, the email, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts at gmail.com. And I want to say quick, um, first let me apologize for my voice. If you're wondering if my voice does sound a little different, uh, I'm still recovering. I had bronchitis last week. Having kids is fun, isn't it? They bring home all sorts of colds and flus and fun things that they give to you. And then they don't tell you until it's too late and then you're sick. So they gave me a nasty cold that turned into bronchitis. I'm on meds now. I'm on the men. My voice still may sound a little effed up. So for that, I apologize. But I want to say quick for the people, for the emails. You can send me emails during the week, too. You don't have to wait till after the game. You can send me an email during the week. Tell me what you think of the team. What do you think of the show? You know, I love getting the emails after the game on Sunday afternoons, Sunday nights. But you can email me during the week, too. That's cool. I don't mind. Uh... For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, me like you those the most. Four stars are good too. A comment, it's preferably a positive one, that would be nice. Um, You can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for the head of the Vince Lombardi statue that sits outside Lambeau Field. That's our logo. Um, And keep leaving those ratings. I keep saying if you listen on Spotify, right near the top there's a little box with a star. You can click on it, you can rate us. Again, five stars, me like you those the most. We're on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there as well. And if you listen on a platform I don't mention, as always, let me know. I'd love to hear it or hear what the platform is. And again, just subscribe. Just mash down mindlessly on that subscribe button. Then we just deliver the shit right to you on Monday mornings. My case, Monday mornings. It's there. You don't have to go searching the interwebs for it. And I'm not going to tell anybody what's on your phone. Whatever apps or pictures or whatever you have on there, I don't tell anybody. My lips are sealed. You can trust me. (laughs) And a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Ticket King. Still not following me on Twitter. They're not gonna. They don't give a damn. You know, I've been pleading for weeks on the show for Ticket King to follow me on Twitter. Get some of that sweet retweet love from them. It's not gonna happen. They don't give a shit. But still, I love Ticket King. They're still great. Go to theticketking.com for all your Packers ticket needs. They will take care of you. Okay, now that we've done got all that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about this Packers L. Kind of got to do the I'm Ron Burgundy with that one. You know, you got to go like L? Because it's, it's shocking. I mean, they really lost to a banged up Giants team with a rookie head coach. They blew a 17-3 lead. To a banged-up Giants team with a rookie head coach. You know? Man, did that really happen? It sure did. And as for where I want to start tonight, I want to begin by talking about the Packers' definitely not a rookie head coach. That's Matt LaFleur. Because to me, his fingerprints are all over this loss. This mess. Really, in almost every key area. Wait, even the defense, Chris? Oh yeah, even the defense. Don't you worry, I'll explain that one in a bit. First, I feel like I don't really talk about LaFleur that much on the show. It's his team, but I feel like I don't talk about him that much. That's all going to change tonight. First, just the overall vibe of the team Sunday, frankly, it sucked. It sucked. They just seemed mostly miserable, or at the very least flat and lacking any real punch or any real fire. You know, I mean, all week you could tell it was obvious that LaFleur just hated the idea of this trip, hated everything about it. It sickened him. 
And boy, oh boy, did his team take on his personality in this one. I mean, even when things were going well early on, my wife and I kept saying to each other, man, this team just looks sort of lifeless, don't they? They did. And, and you know, if Sunday was some kind of anomaly in that department, yeah, you could maybe excuse it. Oh, it's a London game. It's an extraordinary set of circumstances, the travel, yada, yada, yada. Just a hiccup. They will be fine. But let's be honest, Packers fans. This is how they've seen for, for large chunks of the season, haven't they? They have. Flat, lifeless, going through the motions, very sort of clock in and clock out. Just not a lot of passion. You know, again, no punch, no zip. Through five games, the Packers are outscoring their opponents 97 to 96. So yeah, they basically have a point differential of zero, which to me is like the definition of mediocrity. They basically have scored as much as they've given up. That's average. That's baseline. That's mediocre. And that's how they've carried themselves, like just kind of a mediocre football team. Doesn't, to my eye, doesn't seem like anyone's really enjoying themselves. That's kind of a problem when your job's in pro football. (laughs) You should probably have fun doing this. It just doesn't seem to be the case, you know? And that comes from the culture created by the head coach. And right now, yeah, I do think they have a bit of a culture problem. Really, maybe for the first, probably for the first time in LaFleur's tenure in Green Bay, there seems to be a bit of a... The locker room doesn't seem great. So that's always been such a big thing with him as he runs such a... The locker room is always very positive and good. It's a good locker room, right? Does that seem to be the case now? Did you see some of these quotes after the game? Jair, Jair Alexander talking about, oh, I'm not worried now, but if we lose next week, I will be. And then Rodgers didn't seem very happy with Ja saying that. You know, even Aaron Jones seems frustrated. You know, talking about not getting the ball late, he and A.J. Dillon, talking about something to the effect of, you know, I'd bet money that if you give A.J. and I the ball, we'll get you two yards on one of those plays. Or, you know, give it to us on third down and fourth down, we'll get you two yards. And he's such a good kid, but he he seemed frustrated. And how can you blame How can you blame any of these guys? But yeah, the locker room seems a little off, and to me, that all falls directly at the feet of the head coach. It does, of course. But I mean, it's so much more than that. Let's move to the offense, because really, that's Matt LaFleur's money area, right? That's his specialty. Well, things aren't going well either there, are they? You know, it's funny. After the game on Twitter and stuff, I saw so much of, they have to figure it out on offense, or I trust they will figure it out on offense, which those sentiments to me are kind of hilarious because there's nothing to figure out. It's done been figured out. This is a running team. I'm going to smack my hand for emphasis. This is a running team. (laughs) The offense has the most consistent success. We all know this when it runs through the running backs, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. They don't have to figure any of that out. It's right there. They just won't do it. Why? I don't know, but they won't. Jones and Dillon combining for 19 carries, 19 carries for a combined 97 yards. Say that again, 19 carries for 97 yards. Jonesy with 63 yards on 13 carries and Dillon with 34 on 6. Compare that to 39 pass attempts for Aaron Rodgers. 39 freaking pass attempts for Aaron Rodgers in a game where the run was working for you. In a game where you're running the ball this well, that's your balance. Or complete lack thereof, I should say. And it's not just in terms of handing those two guys the ball. You know, look at the passing game. They were complete non-factors. Jones is only targeted three times. Two catches for 17 yards. Dillon wasn't targeted once. How is A.J. Dillon not targeted once in the passing game? <coughs> oh, man. Get myself so worked up here, i got to take a drink. I should hit the cough button. Um, <laughs> It's right there. But, you know, A.J. Dillon doesn't even get targeted once. How does he not get targeted once in the passing game? 
and only three times for Jones. Can someone explain that to me? You know? If you're going to pass the damn ball so much, at least throw a few to those guys. More than three targets combined for the two of them, that's ridiculous. The lack of focus on running the ball in the second half was especially infuriating. I don't know about for you guys, it was to me. When you consider that at the half, the Packers had a time of possession advantage of almost five minutes. Yeah, that's right. At the half, Green Bay led the time of possession 17-24 to 12-36. It's almost five minutes. They were already tiring that Giants defense out. You could see it. That's the time to really start pounding their asses with the ground game in that second half. Nope. Didn't happen. Not even close. And two sequences in that fourth quarter were especially damning. Start with them calling three straight passes on the possession right after the Giants had tied it up at 20. Three straight passes. And you know what's worse? You know what's even worse about that? We all knew that was going to happen. Didn't we? Didn't you know? We all knew Rodgers and Matt LaFleur would panic, and they would just start playing hero ball. Right? Rodgers and or Matt LaFleur, at least. Admit it, you knew that was coming. You knew Jonesy and Dylan weren't going to touch the ball there. Just like you probably knew those two wouldn't get the ball on either the third or fourth down inside the Giants' 10 with just over a minute to play. The aforementioned sequence I talked about, uh, Aaron Jones clearly being frustrated with after the game. You knew it. Now, you knew they weren't going to get the ball on either one of those plays. You knew Rodgers was going to be passing. Well, so did the Giants. And they batted down both passes on both those downs, which essentially, which essentially ended the game. Look, I know we've all been engaging in this never-ending whose fault is it they don't run the ball more, Matt LaFleur or Aaron Rodgers, right? The never-ending debate. But to me, look, it's all Matt LaFleur. It is. Here's why I say that. If it's Lafleur calling all these passes, then obviously it's his fault. But even if it's Rodgers changing the plays or audibling out of runs at the line or whatever, well, guess what? That's still Lafleur's fault. Because at some point, he has to have some guts and stand up to his uber-sensitive quarterback and say, I am tired of this shit, of you changing the plays. Run the damn plays I'm calling. We're running the ball well. Run the damn ball. Like... He's not a passive observer here, for fuck's sake. He's the head coach. Matt, you just got an extension. You aren't going anywhere. Make him run the offense. Again, that's an event. It is Rodgers changing the plays. You know? Either way, I'm so tired of this, golly gee whiz, yeah, we do need to run it more. You guys are right. Bit with the media after games from Lafleur and during the week from Lafleur. This is your offense, Matt. This is your team. Run it! You know? Well, if, it's, if, if you're the one calling the plays, run it the right way. And if it's Rodgers, then take control back and run it. That's what I'm saying. It's also his defense, too. Oh, yeah, we're going to go there now. Sure, Joe Barry's the defensive coordinator, and he calls the plays, and more proud of him we could not be, eh? Oh, my God. But at some point, all these issues, the consistent soft zone coverage... The lack of adjustments. The complete avoidance of playing to your strengths. That falls on Matt LaFleur, folks. It does. He's the one in control. He's the one who can go to Barry and say, stop getting burnt to a goddamn crisp on all these crossing routes. You know, ditch the zone. Could you play like you've seen a bootleg before? Maybe try some new shit at practice this week, Joe? These things that killed the Packers' defense Sunday, particularly the crossing route stuff, have been issues, in some cases, all year. All year! Yet they're still happening. That tells me, of course, that Barry's a very stubborn man. I think we all kind of suspected that. But also, it tells me that Matt LaFleur probably isn't getting involved with the defense to the degree he needs to. You know? Meaning, maybe he is telling Barry all the things I just said. But even if he is, the message ain't getting through. You know? I saw the, I, This was after the game. I don't know if you saw it. I thought this was particularly... This was, to me, particularly troubling. This is from defensive tackle T.J. Slayton. This is from uh, Ryan Wood from PackersNews.com. After the Giants realized the Packers couldn't defend Jones' bootleg passes, they kept coming. Defensive lineman T.J. Slayton said the Giants called many more bootlegs than expected. Quote, I think we were a little too dialed in at times with the plan and what we practiced, Slayton said. We knew what we were going to see, 
and I think we were just getting a little lost. We were getting a little lost when we didn't see what we were practicing, end quote. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Barry just gets to, just gets on something and stays on it. That's not good. When guys are saying stuff like this that Slayton just said, it's look, it's time for the head coach to step in, you know? And pretty soon, oh, yeah, that may involve stepping in and making a change at the position. I'm sorry, but we may be nearing that point because it sure feels like the defense is going to be this year's version of the 2021 Packers special teams. In other words, the thing that brings the Packers down at the end of the year. And while last year's special teams units may have lacked talent, certainly isn't the case with this year's defense, is it? A mountain of number one picks. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been poured into this group. There's no excuse for this mess. Three straight 10-plus play drives allowed Sunday. Three straight 10-plus play drives allowed Sunday. Giving up points on five straight possessions. Five straight possessions. To Daniel, to Danny Dimes? What? Look, we're past Barry figuring this out. We're probably, we probably are. Matt LaFleur probably needs to do it for him. Or get someone in Barry's spot who will. Okay, so those are my main thoughts on the game. Now, I'm going to try something different tonight. and go, I went a little shorter with that part. Because holy shit, did I get a lot of questions and comments from you fine folks. After this one, as I thought I would. I suspected that might happen and it did. So instead of me going my usual amount of time there and then reading all these questions where I'd inevitably be saying, well, you know, like I said earlier, over and over, I'm going to leave some stuff to be discussed now. See what I'm saying? So some of the stuff I haven't talked about yet that you may have thought I would have discussed by now, I will be talking about in this next segment. Does that sound good? Make sense? All right, let's go. Start with the questions from Twitter. These are in no particular order. We'll start with Lucky at the Madisonian. He writes, yes, absolutely run the ball. But also, Lazard, Dobbs, make a play maybe? Your old man is going to check out of runs regardless. You're going to get multiple opportunities, make something happen. Especially Lazard. You want a contract next year? It is time. Hashtag go, pack, go. Okay, so I see what you're saying I would disagree maybe slightly, Lucky, and here's what I mean. I didn't have a lot of issue with Lazard and Dobbs in this one. I had mostly an issue with the way Rodgers played, which I'm going to get to here as we move along in these questions and comments. But, yeah, you know, I uh, I thought those two did all right with the opportunities they had. Lazard, four catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Dobbs, 29 yards on three receptions. Those aren't great numbers. But I thought Rodgers was off a lot of the day, you know? I don't know how much of that was on them. I feel like that was more on the quarterback, at least to me. So the next one comes from Spencer McDonald at SJ Macdon. They write, Maybe I'm just too close to the sun as a fan, but it feels like the Packers have been mentally defeated more often than not in close games under Aaron Rodgers. I used to think it was luck, and some of it is that. But I'm starting to expect these types of bedwetting performances. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I... I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, there's some truth to that. I think Rogers certainly is not a guy you think of as being a great, like, come-from-behind quarterback. You know? Or a guy who pulls out close wins. I mean, there's some of that with him. But I don't think that's one of the things you think of when you immediately think of Aaron Rodgers. You probably think of more like on-field brilliance, right? Big numbers, big stats, great plays, great throws. But winning close games, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I, I don't, I, I feel like he's probably not known for that. Uh, have they been mentally defeated more? Than I mean, I, there's probably some truth to that, yeah. I would think. Starting to expect these types of bedwetting performances. I mean, I can't blame you on that for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, next one comes from Brad Artman at Brad Artman. He writes simply, Joe Barry and his playbook, and it's a gif of a guy being thrown into a dumpster. Yeah, Brad, I mean, I don't know what Barry's doing. The Giants were just running crossing routes all day. I was like, Joe, have you ever played fucking Madden? 
If you know the other guy's running a zone in Madden, you just run crossing routes all day. Yeah, I mean, his playbook does seem pretty simple and pretty easy to beat. I can't argue with you on that. It's pretty trashy. Um, our next one comes from Bill Amundsen at Omaha Badger. Bill writes, what a turd of an 18th anniversary present for my wife and I. <laughs> Was looking forward to this defense dominating this year. Too many plays where they let offense come to them. Wish it was more aggressive and set the tone. Soft zones, unless the front four wins the line of scrimmage, little pressure. Well, happy anniversary to you and, and your Mrs. Bill. Uh, it's funny, that's the second time the word turd has been used in this podcast. Two turds. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I agree. I think we were all looking forward to this defense I mean, I said they had all the makings of a dominant group. Said on the preview show, anything less than a top five, top six, top seven performance from this defense for the season was going to be a a massive disappointment. And right now they look like a bottom third defense, don't they? You know, I know a lot of people were pointing to stats last week after the Patriots game. Well, these stats are good. But as Mike McCarthy would say, stats are for losers. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I agree with that fully, but... I do agree with that because I've said on the show a bunch, stats only tell you so much, you know? Yeah, they're stat, they're, you know, they were statistically great in this category or that category. But when you watch this defense, even coming in, even before today, did you see a great defense? Did you see anything that made you think they had the makings of it, other than maybe being able to get pressure on the quarterback and maybe close out games? No, there, were, there really wasn't much that you could point to and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming together. And today was rock bottom for this defense so far this year, I think. So, yeah, I agree. I was definitely, I'm with you. I was looking forward to seeing, I think we all were. We thought we were going to see a dominant group. We haven't. Um, You're right. They're not aggressive. They're not, Barry's not aggressive at all, you know. He's very content to sit back and bend but don't break, which I hate. I, look, let me rephrase that. I, (laughs) I understand Bend, but don't break. If you don't have, like, a ton of talent. You know what I mean? If your defense is lacking talent overall, then, yeah, you should play a bend, but don't break defense. Absolutely. That's not a problem for this defense. Talent is not a problem for this defense. When you've got this type of defense, they should be playing man coverage and blitzing. It should be primarily man coverage on the back end and just blitzing the shit out of the other guy and use your linebacker's talent and try to pressure the hell out of the quarterback. Let your stud cornerbacks do what they do and try to force turnovers. Because this defense doesn't force any turnovers. That's been incredibly disappointing. I thought this defense would be a turnover machine. It hasn't happened at all yet. It's been pathetic. You know? And I think if Barry played to his strengths and was more played to the, to the talent's strengths and was more aggressive, I think that might happen. But it's probably not, they're probably never going to be a turnover machine playing the way he plays, no. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bill. I hope that, answered, uh, hope that answered your question. I do have some more tweets. We continue now. Hold on. All right. First one comes from left-handed at the Green Bay Barb. She writes, what I have to say is not fit for human ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true with most of us as that game ended. I know I was definitely stringing the expletives together in pretty impressive fashion after that one, so I'm trying not to swear as much on the show. Trying to make it a little more family-friendly, or more at least PG-13. Because, like, right, PG-13 movies, you can get away with, like, one, maybe two F-bombs. The American President, if you've ever seen that movie, I believe they say the F-word three times in that, and it's still PG-13. So... Trying to kind of stick to that and not drop drop too many F-bombs, but I know a lot of us were after that game. So, not alone there, Barb. Our next one comes from Javier Cabrera at Ja Cabrera. He asks, are the issues more with 12 trying to force the big plays rather than just sticking to the run game? They're making it easy for the opposing defenses. Uh, well, I think Rodgers playing hero ball in that second half was a great is a great example of him trying to force the big plays is certainly an issue. You know, 
It was a tie game. There was no need to call three passes in a row. There was no need to be taking shots down the field like that. Tie game, it's 0-0. All right, let's let's go back to what's... Let's establish the ground game. And we got hero ball from Rodgers on that. that. That's a big issue, and that's happened a lot with Rodgers throughout Lafleur's tenure. Burp, got to keep it real. So that's definitely an issue. Um, but But, you know... Not sticking to the run game is a big issue, too. You're not sticking with the run game. Kind of, both those things kind of went hand-in-hand on that crucial possession for the Packers. You know, not not going back to the ground at all, and Rodgers playing hero ball. Yeah, that made it very easy for the Giants to force that three and out. And that kind of shifted the whole, felt like the Packers were playing uphill after that, didn't it? So that's certainly, that's certainly part of the problem, for sure, Javier. Our next one comes from Elijah Price at David Dunn. My guy Elijah, been on his podcast a few times, good dude. He writes, I didn't watch the game, so who is the closest Packer comp for Chris Middleton? I'm going to say Antonio Freeman. Um, who is the closest Packers comp? I didn't think Chris Middleton was going to come up in this show. Uh, yeah, Freeman's a good comp. Freeman's a good, although I like Middleton more than you do, so... I I might say someone maybe a little better. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe like... Well, he's got to be what? He's got to be the second best guy? So maybe like a Jordy Nelson on the Super Bowl team? Is Jordy Nelson a good Chris, Chris Middleton comp? Maybe. Maybe someone like... Yeah. I'll, yeah. I don't know. I'm off here. I'll go with Antonio Freeman. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> our next one comes from Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell longtime friend of the show going back to the Podbean days thank you for that as always Justin he writes normally after losses I get calmer as the day goes on for some reason today I've just gotten more and more frustrated thinking about the game as time has gone on I don't know what that means but it might be anxiety that certain things aren't fixable especially on defense no I know what you mean I know what you mean. I, I certainly, as I've gotten older and I have kids now, I don't, the losses don't hang with me as long. But today I didn't, yeah, and you're right, you do get better as the day goes on. But you're right, I was, I was getting more, I was with you, I was getting more pissed as the day was going on. I would just have these moments where Taylor, I'd go, I can't believe they, I can't believe they lost. How did they lose? How the hell did they lose? How did that happen? Um, yeah, I could see that having anxiety. I mean, it certainly feels like, the defense isn't going to get fixed like I talked about earlier in the show. It's not going to get fixed if, if LaFleur just leaves it to Joe Barry. That seems pretty clear at this point. It feels like Matt's going to have to get involved if he wants this thing to get fixed. He's going to have to really get hands-on with Barry in this defense. Yeah, that seems pretty clear at this point, for sure. So I know what you're saying. I've definitely felt that anxiety, too. Our next one comes from Brian McDonald, AP. Brian McDonald, AP, at Mac underscore AP. He asks, does Matt LaFleur suck at hiring coordinators? <laughs> well, I don't know if he sucks, Brian, but he certainly is spotty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, with um, Menenga and then Drayton on special teams. Although he finally got it with Basaccia, so that's, that worked out there. Um you know, they, they had him working with Pettin. He want, I, I'm convinced, he, I'll never believe otherwise, I, I remain convinced that he wanted to fire Pettin after year one, after that debacle in the NFC Championship game in Seattle, or San Francisco. I think he wanted to fire him and they wouldn't let him. So his inclination was right there, I believe. Um, but the Barry hire was certainly very questionable, you know? It was not one that I liked. I talked about it on the show, talked about it on Twitter. I know a lot of people didn't like the hire uh, after they got boned by Jim Leonard after he turned him down to go back to Wisconsin. The other guy whose name I can't remember now, the guy they hired in Denver, he and Barry were basically the two finalists and feels like LaFleur picked the wrong door on that one. He should have picked the guy who got hired in Denver. Because Barry just, you know, there was hope. We all had hope, I think, after last season. I know I did, but five weeks in, it just 
Doesn't five weeks into year two, I should say. It doesn't look great. So that looks like not a great hire, and so I wouldn't say sucks because he's done decent offensively. You know, hiring Nate Hackett that was a good hire as the offensive coordinator. Um, Stenovich, I think, is the jury's still out on how he's doing as offensive coordinator. So hit and miss. I wouldn't say suck, but it's spotty for sure. Um, okay. Are those all the those are all the Twitter questions? Yes. Those are all the Twitter questions. So we move now to the emails. Boy, oh boy, did I get some emails. First one comes from Sean, who titled this email, Four and Passes in a Row. He says, fourth quarter, ten minutes left, WTF, four and passes in a row. I could have predicted that, but it's still so frustrating to see. Get Jones and Dylan the ball. Also, this defense is not even close to as good as advertised. Tough to watch at times. Then he corrected himself and said three passes, not four. Yeah, that's I, like I, I talked about it. I suspect that's a sequence that pisses that pissed a lot of people off, for sure. Because um, it just it was so unnecessary. You know, the thing with Rodgers, it's never going to be balanced with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. I know some people want that, want to believe that's going to happen. It's not. It isn't. Rodgers is a thoroughbred. Running the ball is beneath him. You know, all these little dink and dunk passes around the line of scrimmage are beneath him. At some point, he wants to get out and run. You know, and I wish that wasn't the case. I wish he would stick to the offense and run the ball and work the short stuff until all these new receivers can get acclimated. But it's just not going to happen, especially in that case. But it's just not going to happen. He's a thoroughbred. He wants to get out and run. And that sequence was Rodgers going, F you guys, I'm getting out and running. I'm throwing it. This is my time now. But yeah, it's frustrating, you know. Call one, even one run. That could have changed that entire, that entire possession, which in tune could have changed the entire game, for sure. Um, and yeah, the defense talked about it. They're, you're, yeah. They're not. They're not as good. No, nope, it's disappointing. Our next one comes from Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. First of the Kyles checking in. Kyle writes, I think we need to start panicking. This defense under Barry will never be good. Below average at best. This game should have been a win. I firmly believe this team is not a Super Bowl contender. And at this point, I doubt they will even make the playoffs. <coughs> My doubts about Matt LaFleur have only become solidified. Unless it's Rodgers changing the plays constantly. But to constantly say we need to keep running the ball and then abandon it, I don't believe a word Matt LaFleur says anymore. He refuses to adjust, and Barry is just horrendous as a coach. He needs to be fired immediately. But will that happen? Absolutely not. We will ride with this idiot right into the ground. If we can't beat an injury-riddled team, what hope do we have to beat the Bills, or Dolphins, or even the hated Vikings? This is just the team we are this season. A below-average team that could be great, but will get held back by terrible coaching. Okay. Kyle is not shy with his thoughts. <laughs> Which I love. Bring it. Bring that shit. Let's do it. Um, I don't know about these other podcasts, but on this show, you can bring it. Um, yeah. Right now, they sure don't look like a Super Bowl contender. I agree with you on that. Try to get to things I haven't talked about already. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, will they make the playoffs? I mean, I think they'll make the playoffs, but I'm not, I don't think the division is the lock I thought it was a couple weeks ago. No. No, they may be in a real dogfight with Minnesota because Kevin O'Connell really seems to have reinvigorated the Vikings. You know, they desperately needed a culture change after all the years with Zimmer, and he's come in and been, it seems like he's been a real breath of fresh air. Watching them today, they feel that that looks like a reinvigorated team. Those guys look like they're having fun again and playing for each other, and all the things the Packers had been doing under Lafleur until this season. So I think this division is going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I think we may be in for one of those for sure. Good old-fashioned Packer-Viking dogfight for the for the NFC North. Um, yeah, Barry. Okay, so Barry, will will that happen? Will Barry be fired? Probably not. No. He didn't fire Pettin. 
despite all Patton's struggles, he didn't fire Drayton last year or Menenga, you know, the two years before that. So, well, he probably won't fire Joe Barry. You know, I said earlier he, he needs to if things don't get better because I agree, I think it's going to be the thing that drags his team down. But unfortunately, LaFleur probably won't make any such moves until the end of the year, if, if he does even then. Um, but yeah, you're right, those games against, I mean, the rest of the se- the second half of the season's tough. The Cowboys look really good, you know? Um, the Dolphins, you mentioned, the Bills, the Eagles. These are all teams on the Packers, even teams like the Rams and the Titans, that haven't been as good this year as maybe they traditionally have been. I actually don't know. I should say, what's the Titans' record even? Well, they're 3-2. and two. They don't seem to be as good as they've been in recent years. But even teams like that are going to be tough. The Packers play all these teams the rest of the way. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. They have to get their shit together and fast. Absolutely. No question. Our next one comes from Philip, who titles his email, What a Waste of Time. Lemps. Watching this team makes me want to throw up. All those picks and the money on this defense, and it looks like it's in the bottom third of the league. What was Savage doing on that double reverse at the end of the first half? Will he ever make a splash play? I wrote this note before he whiffed on Saquon in the second half. I'm sick of Rodgers throwing the ball 40 yards downfield when they don't have any receiver who can catch a deep ball in contested coverage. I'm kind of glad they lost after last week. Maybe this is the kick in the pants they need to stop being so high on themselves. Go Pack Go, but it looks like Rodgers will only ever have one ring. Love the podcast, Phil, who just wasted three hours of his life. Is that your first time writing in, Phil? That was good. Don't be a stranger. That was good stuff. All right. Um. Yeah, I talked about the defense. All the he sensing the trend here in these. The defense, Rodgers not running the ball, Lafleur, Barry. Um. I talked about that. Yeah, all the picks, all the money. And I agree. I said they, they look like a bottom third of the of the league defense right now. Absolutely. Savage, you know what? Great. I'm glad you brought up Savage because I haven't talked about him yet. He really sucked ass in this. And so did Eric Stokes. And those two have sucked ass all year. They need a big reason why this defense has been so disappointing is the, is the performance of those two players. You know, Savage, former first round pick. Stokes, former first-round pick. Guys expected to really be key pieces of not just the back end, but the defense as a whole. Disappointing. Savage especially, because I, I, I was hyping Savage up all summer. I said he was close last year so many times. He's going to make those plays this year, and he hasn't. I don't believe he or Stokes have any real playmaking stats all year. By that, I mean sacks. Um... Passes defended, interceptions, forced fumbles, fumbles. I think Savage has, what, one fumble recovery? I don't think Stokes has anything. Stokes, they targeted Stokes all day. Stokes and Savage, all day the Giants went after those two. And Savage, yeah, and Savage wasn't even making plays, couldn't make plays against the run or the pass. Stokes is always behind, Stokes is always a step behind, it feels like, in coverage. That that one play was a third and nine the Giants were in the red zone. It was a third and nine. I can't remember what drive it was even now. But pass complete. I think it was Slayton. Stokes is on him. Okay, Stokes can't make the play on the ball. At least tackle the guy short of the first. He whips on the tackle. The guy spins away and gets the first. I believe it was Slayton. Spins away and gets the first down. That's kind of how Eric Stokes has been all year for him. Just a real struggle. Those two have been disappointing as hell, and they've got to get going. Simply put, just not good enough for you, from either one of those two. Um, yeah, Rogers, the hero ball, it's not good. You know, again, just work. I know he hates the short stuff, but it's important to work this and run the ball while you're figuring things out with the young wide receivers, baby steps, baby steps, right? You got to crawl before you can walk. Then you start working the deep stuff downfield, but they've got an offense that works if short passes staying within the offense, and running the football, but he just refuses to do it. Um, and yeah, maybe this is the kick in the ass they needed. You're right. I do feel like this team, the defense in particular, maybe uh, read a little, a few too many of their press clippings. 
over the summer in camp and forgot you actually have to play hard and work to have success. So, yeah, maybe this Walton House will wake him up. I hope. Good stuff, Phil. Next one comes from Rich. Titles his email, Rogers. Rich writes, let's talk about good old Aaron. I was at the game last week, and it looked like he somehow lost the ability to throw long passes. Today, more of the same. Playing dime store psychologist, I wonder, has he knocked the Jordan Love chip off his shoulder and has reverted to the A-Rod of 2019 that precipitated the Love draft pick anyhow? Houston, we have a problem. Good stuff, Rich. Um, yeah, it does look like he's, he's off on the deep balls. That 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 uh, typical accuracy we've seen from Rodgers has not really been there, you know? I'm thinking about the first pass of the season to Watson, the infamous drop. He was on the money on that. And then the one to Dobbs last week in the end zone that Dobbs, again, I think caught, but the stupid rule says he didn't. Um, but yeah, other than that, he's been off. It feels like he's overthrown a lot of stuff, a lot of guys. So I agree. He's definitely struggling in that department. Your dime store psychologist thing is interesting. Um, because, yeah, I think the love draft pick, I think we can all agree, lit a fire under his ass. And, you, and you're wondering, has he maybe lost that fire now? That's definitely possible. You know? Because he signed that extension. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to trade him. He's either going to be a pack or he's going to retire. So maybe he has lost a bit of that chip. That's an interesting... I hadn't thought of that. But maybe he has, Rich. That's very interesting. Um, our next one comes from C Clown Convention. He wants me to refer to him as Clown Convention, so I will. I won't say his real name. Um, you can write in with any name. Whatever you want me to call you, I will. As long as it's not like vulgar or offensive or like Lempsis, you're an asshole. Whatever you want me to call you, I'll call you. I don't care. So Clown Convention writes, Well, I was lucky enough to be in the stadium today. Oh, wow. Directly above the end zone where Big Dog Lewis caught his touchdown. Seeing that play develop live and from a high angle was the highlight of the game for me. Atmosphere in Spurs Stadium was great. While I'm on vacation, it was looking like it was going to be a workmanlike win for the pack. Then the second half started. Do you think the defense is just in a cold streak in terms of making big plays slash turnovers, or is this who they are? Right now, I could go either way. Cheers from London. That's so cool. You were at the game, Clown. I'm going to call you CC. CC, that's so cool that you were at the game. I was hoping somebody who was at the game would write in and tell me what the experience was like. Because uh, it sounded pretty good on TV. It sounded like the Packer fans there were definitely, you could definitely hear them, which is good stuff. Yeah, the big dog play, that was awesome. The uh, play, the, the double play action. It was to Jones and then Watson and then totally froze the defense. And then he flipped onto a wide open big dog. What did I say on Twitter? Made me tingly all over him. I can say that. We're all friends. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was great stuff. That was a great play. But that shows you a bit of the brilliance of Lafleur. He can come up with plays like that. Like, he's not an idiot. No one's ever questioned Matt Lafleur's intelligence. It's just his ability to put it into action. <laughs> that is questioned. Um... Do I think the defense is just in a cold streak, or is this who they are? That's a good question. Um, I tend to think it's somewhere in the middle, CeCe. I don't think this is who they are. I think they're better than this. But I don't know if they're that much better. Do you know what I'm saying? They're better than this. But I don't... So, uh, you know, they maybe are in a little bit of a slump, but not that much. <laughs> That's to say... I think the big plays and turnovers will come, but I don't know if they're going to come to the degree that we thought they were going to maybe even a month ago. Yeah, because I just don't think the way Barry runs his scheme lends itself to that. Soft zone coverage with the shells, the safeties in the shell, I don't really know if that lends itself to coming up with big turnovers and big plays. You know what I mean? So kind of right in the middle there, for sure. But thank you for writing the email, and cheers to you over there in London. Uh, our, so let's see, we got Sean, Kyle, Phil, uh, Rich, CC. Okay, we come to the final email from the other Kyle. Kyle, who used to have Twitter, got it back. Wait, 
Had Twitter, got rid of it, got it back, and got rid of it. He writes, hey, Chris. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to all the Canadian members of Lamps Legion. A lot to say today, mostly because I am pissed off I woke up early for that disaster. Newman isn't one of the best five, full stop. One of your fellow podcasters brought up an interesting point. This team, especially Lafleur and Reswell Douglas, complained all week about playing in London, so not shocking they looked like they didn't care much. This team really seems to have a leadership problem, especially in the face of adversity. Plenty of blame to go to the defense, Barry, and the players not executing. But let's not forgive the offense. Second half drives, punt, punt, turnover, punt, punt, turnover on downs, end of game, zero points. And you cannot go three and out after a long, sustained drive against your defense. They were absolutely gassed. And a drafter you really had to have it now, the Packers have a first-rounder who can't see the field, a first-rounder who is less Micah Parsons and more Patrick Queen, a receiver who you can only get the ball to on gadget plays, and a guard in the third who can't start ahead of Newman. I know it's five weeks in, but still, not a lot of immediate impact from the top. Saw a member of Packers Twitter lost their mother this past week. If you still have a parent, parents in your life, give them a call, tell them you love them. Go Pack Go, run the ball. Okay, so yes, definitely call your parents. If they're still around, a minor, no longer with us. If you're lucky enough to have, he's right, if you're lucky enough to have one of your parents, mom or dad, whoever, yes, give them a call, tell them you love them. They're thinking about you, they miss you, and they love you. Amen, Kyle. <coughs> all right. First of all, is there a Lemps Legion? I like to hope that there, I, I hope there is. I like to think there is. It was funny seeing all these people in London doing all, all these various, you know, podcasts and websites doing these meetups and tweet-ups and thinking, like, what would a Lemp's Talking Pack meetup look like? I don't know. I think it would be fun. Right? If you listen to the show, you're probably fun and cool. So I feel like if I were to do one of these meetups, it would be an awesome time for everybody, right? It'd be rad. So, yeah, Lemp's Legion, I like that. I'm going to go with that from now on. Because um, it's not really a nation. It's more of a legion. I like that. That's good. Uh Great point about Royce Newman. Royce Newman got beat again today for a sack by Dexter Lawrence on a key third down. Was that in the that was in the second half? That was the drive. Um, was that before the drive in the second half that that looked really promising and got into Giants territory? And then Newman got straight up ass whooped on that third down by Dexter Lawrence. Rodgers got sacked and it ended the drive. And that happens once a week with Newman. At least, he's not one. I don't know why they keep running him out there. He is a backup offensive lineman. A good backup, but a backup. They need to do something. They need to move Jenkins or get Zach Tom into the lineup or something. Even if they just kept the lineup as is, but played Zach Tom at right guard, I feel like things would go a lot better. So, yeah, I agree with you on Royston. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, you know, I, I said earlier in the show, Lafleur wasn't shy about it about not wanting to go to London, and neither was Razul Douglas, and holy shit, was he terrible today. What did he have, two holding calls, and then that idiotic personal foul call where he body slammed the guy three seconds after the play, after the whistle? That was that was embarrassing from Douglas, and that kept that Giants drive alive. That was the final touchdown, wasn't it? Yeah. My mind's all mush, but yeah, you remember, I think it was. That was embarrassing from Douglas. That was really bad shit from him. So yeah, you're right. Those two were those two were definitely leading the we don't want to really be doing this mob. And both definitely looked like it today. I agree with that. Um yeah, they have a leadership problem, talked about that, culture problem, adversity for sure. Um Yeah, and I, I think I definitely have been harsh enough on the offense in this. I think you're right. I mean, you know, this is everybody's to blame for this. And to me it all starts at the top, for sure. Um your question about your point about the draft. It's funny because I just said on the show, I think it was two weeks ago, that it feels like they're getting some some impact guys from the draft. But you're right. It does also feel like the guys they've missed on, it's been very disappointing. It's disappointing that Wyatt hasn't been able to see the field. I believe, was he out today? He was inactive? But when he's been active, he, hasn't, he just hasn't seen the field. That's not great. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the, Watson, they certainly only trust on end arounds and jet sweeps and push passes. They don't seem to trust him on any kind of downfield routes. That's disappointing five weeks in. We should be past that point. Uh, the guard in the third round, Sean Ryan. Yeah, Sean doesn't look great that Sean Ryan's not playing. You know, that looks like definitely a pick that's, I don't want, I'm not going to say a bust because five weeks in, but it looks like a pick that's not really working out so far. Uh, I would disagree with you a little bit on the less Micah Parsons and more Patrick Queen. I like Quay Walker. He wasn't great today, and he certainly has had his str- he certainly has had his struggles, but I'm still very high on that pick. So I like Walker, I like Dobbs, I like Tom. Um. So yeah, certainly at the top it doesn't look great so far, but I still think this has the makings of a good draft. I'll say that. So yeah, good stuff. That's the Kyles. Right? Both the Kyles, you love it. Both Kyles writing in. Oh my God, this is going to be a long episode. It's my birthday though, right? It's my birthday now. I can go long. Who cares? It's my birthday and I'll go long if I want to. We go now to Facebook Messenger. Hold on here. I do have a funny Facebook message from uh, Sean LaFond. Who writes in. So he wrote in as the game was going on. That he watched the first couple series for each team. And he thought the Packers were going to blow him out. And he was up late drinking. He said, so he just he just went back to sleep. And then he sends me a message after the game and says, Woke up to a nightmare. So bummed out and my Super Bowl aspirations for this team are diminished. See, Sean, that's why you got to stay awake. You know, even if you were up late drinking. I will say this. <coughs> I'm glad that this game happened for 40-year-old lamps. Because, yeah, 22, 23, 24-year-old year, lamps would have been out late as shit Saturday night. Because that's what I did. You know? I just stayed out late. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, bar closed late. I mean, like, bar closed, then we're going to an after bar, then maybe another after bar... Then it was like, who's getting breakfast? We're going to McDonald's. And I'm like shuffling home like Ozzy Osbourne at like 7.30 in the morning on a Sunday. So yeah, like 22, 23-year-old lamps would have been literally on like an hour's worth of sleep, still drunk, watching the game. 40-year-old lamps got up, no problem. So I understand the staying out late part, Sean. No shame on that. Okay, so that covered the Facebook. So we have Twitter, email, Facebook. Coming to the final question for my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, one of my other bestest friends in the world, my man, Gene Bossling. Gene writes in, you know I give you the hammer, buddy. Gene writes in, do we need to start considering the possibility this offense just isn't going to click? I mean, I know it won't be Rodgers' fault. How could it be? But it just doesn't seem like four efficient quarters are there for this team right now. Starting to wonder if they overplayed their hand. By overplay their hand, I wasn't sure what he meant. He meant by getting more skill position talent, by not getting more skill position talent for Rodgers that can help them keep their foot on the gas when defenses start to adjust to them in the second half. Seems like the offense ran out of answers. So, okay. The thing is... (laughs) I think the offense can click if they run it the right way. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's never going to click if they run it the way they did in the second half. Which is the way they've run it for chunks of the season when the offense mostly hasn't worked. When the offense hasn't worked, it looks a lot like it did in the second half today. So, it can click. Will it ever click consistently? That I don't know. And it's disappointing because I said on the preview way back before the season started that I fully expected the offense to be rounding into form. I said by the London game or by the Jets game the week after. And it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't rounded into form. Um, as far as being consistent on field, but we, we know there is a version of this offense that works. Will they run that version enough to click consistently? 
That, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. It may not. It very well may not. That's really unfortunate, but it may not. Um, yeah, I think maybe they overplayed their hand a little bit. They maybe they maybe thought Rodgers would, would, you know, cover for more sins than he's at least been able to so far. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think uh, certainly would have helped getting more skill positions. Here's the thing with the skill position things. Skill positions. This team fucked up way before this year by not taking a wide receiver. I looked this up tonight because I wasn't quite sure. They took Ty Montgomery in the third round of the 2015 draft. They didn't take a receiver in the top three rounds after that until taking Amari Rodgers in 2021. They went six years without taking a receiver in the top three rounds of the draft. And now they're paying for that. You know, they never bothered to replenish the pipeline. And there was a whole chunk of Packer fans that laughed at people like me who said they needed to. Certain sites, I think, even made t-shirts making fun of people like us. It was like they need to they need to focus on they gotta get some more talent in here. And they didn't. Cause I think I don't know if they thought Devontae was gonna be there forever or what. But they didn't. And now they've had to now they had to do it all at once. It's like now we don't have anybody, so now we have to draft all these guys and go get Sammy Watkins and oh, I hope this all works and slapdash it all together. So I think that they they've overplayed their I think they overplayed their hand really the last five or six years. They just thought, oh, we got Rodgers and we got Devontae and Gutekunst thought, well, that'll cover for everything. But then they didn't have Devontae and now they they had shit. So I hope that answers your question. Um, it could click if they wanted to and yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. That was a lot of questions. I said there was a lot and there was a lot. Thank you to everybody who writes in. Always appreciate it, especially after a tough loss like this. Big picture time now. One hour and one minute in. Good Lord. After coming to Green Bay as essentially a lottery ticket, young and mostly unproven, Matt LaFleur spent most of his three seasons dazzling, well, pretty much everyone, piling up wins immediately at a rate not seen in Titletown since the early days of a man named Lombardi once upon a time. Sure, his first three postseasons had ended with one good old-fashioned beatdown and a pair of heartbreaking defeats. But heading into the summer, those were seen by many as mere speed bumps on the way to eventual greatness, real greatness, the kind that earns you a ring. In fact, many people, the author of this podcast included, believed that ring would come this season. But now, for the first time really... Honest-to-goodness cracks are beginning to appear in the facade five games into the 2022 season. Issues that have plagued the Packers throughout LaFleur's tenure, his team's inability to stick with the run, chief among them, remain. His track record of making the right hire at a key position continues to be very hit and miss. And his team simply do not respond well to adversity or to a stiff shot from an opponent. How well Lafleur can fix these ongoing issues will go a long way in determining the rest of his run in Green Bay. We all know about the early successes of names like Lombardi, Holmgren, and McCarthy, men who would all eventually become champions. But we perhaps forget about the early successes of another former Packers head coach, Mike Sherman. Sherman won games at an incredible rate very early on as well but he never could quite pull it all together. Plug all the holes and get over that elusive hump into the winner's circle. Sometimes you can get close, but it just doesn't happen. Matt LaFleur is very much at that crossroads now. Will he be remembered in the first group of Packers coaches mentioned or the other lonelier one? It's time for him to really, fully, totally and completely Grab this team, his team, by the reins and make his move. Okay, so that just about wraps up this episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I hope you all had as much, well, I wouldn't say fun, maybe. (laughs) 
But I hope this helped you as much as it did me. I always feel better after hopping on here and just spitting all this shit out, you know? I just get on here, I say the shit, and I feel better. We look ahead to next week now. The Packers will be back in action. Back at Lambeau for a game against the other New York team, the New York Jets. That one is set for a noon Lambeau time kickoff. And oh yeah, your boy Lamps is going to be at this one, baby. That's right, I will be in the house at Lambeau. I said to myself, Lamps, we got to go to the game right after the London one when the team is probably going to be dog-tired and coming off a terrible loss. How can I pass this up? (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Well, kind of. But yeah, it's always great going to Lambeau. I love it. One of my favorite places on earth. And uh, yeah, they're wearing the 50s throwbacks for this one, so I'll be two for two on throwback games. If you listen to the show, you may remember I went to the game last year against Washington when they debuted these babies. I'm going to be all 50s out again. I got my jaw throwback jersey. I got my Packers throwback coach's jacket. I'm going to be all decked out. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the ball. Cinderella is ready for the ball next week. As for the opponent, the Jets, you know, they're suddenly surging, aren't they? Beat Miami Sunday. Admittedly, a shorthanded Miami team, but still they won. At least somebody can beat shorthanded teams. Uh, the Jets are now 3-2 and two on the season. Tied for second in the AFC East. So look, they're going to come in looking to stay on a roll. And their head coach, Robert Sala, is basically LaFleur's best friend, if you don't know. So you know he knows a lot about how LaFleur's mind works. This is going to be a test. Make no mistake about it. The Packers, this is going to be a test of their mettle. And of course, I'll be back to recap that one. Win, loser, draw, but it won't be next Monday morning when you hear it. Programming note on that. Since I'm going to the game, I won't be able to record the show until after I get back to Milwaukee on Monday. So it'll be Tuesday morning when you hear that one. Again, Tuesday morning for next week's episode. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that one. And yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lem's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. Thank you for spending a little bit of my birthday with me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever... Go, pack, go.